What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Smitty's a great guy. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. Elijah Herbel, hope you're out uh, getting the old grill dusted off. If you're in the east, uh, eastern part of Nebraska, incredible weather, golf weather, and uh, recruiting weather, right? It's always like this in the end of November, first part of December. Uh, busy day. We will throw out some names. You have four spots to fill. If you're Scott Frost, recruiting looms, but you, you got to get this right with your coaching staff. If you have any remnants of anger and pain from Iowa, we'll take those phone calls as well. But uh, we're pretty loaded up. We'll spend time uh, hitting on recruiting, the portal, and the staff. Greg Smith with us here in about 20 minutes from HaleVarsity.com. And uh, get Greg's take on things. In hour two, Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, his takeaway on Iowa, the season, and the task at hand for Scott Frost as you move into uh, the early signing period and rounding out this staff. A man who knows Norman, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey from Hale Varsity, his uh, alma mater is OU, and uh, we'll get his takeaway on. Uh, the shakeup with Lincoln Riley, and then Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer, will join us. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, get his thoughts on uh, all the goings on with uh, Nebraska. It is Cyber Monday. That means you have till midnight to jump on the Hale Varsity train with magazine and premium online content. Nine. 99 for your first year. That is some holiday shopping done right. You can log on HaleVarsity.com. Lincoln Riley could buy as many subscriptions as he wants. USC contract details per social media. $110 million. So that's... <clears throat> forgive me. Uh, that that's uh, I'm doing my best, Coach Leach impersonation. <laughs> that that's a ten year deal that uh, at eleven per. SC's buying his home in Norman for half a million dollars over asking price. They're buying a six million dollar home for him in L.A. And he gets unlimited use of the private jet twenty four seven. I know real estate's incre- incredible right now. I'm sorry, between strip malls and weed shops, at least our experience in Norman. <laughs> good good work, <laughs> Lincoln Riley. Getting a million over asking price is impressive, but it's all set up. On to Nebraska we go. <clears throat> and I'll quit hacking here, I promise you. Listen, uh, Black Friday was gut-wrenching. 
it was frustrating, and it, it was special teams. And wherever Scott Frost goes with his next coaching staff, he needs to, instead of the get-back coach that you see on the sideline, you need the don't call that play or stop throwing the football coach. Fair? Because Nebraska panicked. Nebraska faced adversity, post-blocked punt. Defense didn't flinch. I mean, I know they gave up the big run. But overall, I mean, Iowa had to score five points to tie it. Safety, bad special teams, fair catch, blocked punt. And you, you held them to a field goal before the, the, the levy broke with the 55-yard run. Defense did everything they could except play offense and call running plays. 15 of the last 16 plays were throws. And I know you got down, but after the fumble, man, you panicked. You need a, a calming influence and voice on this coaching staff on the offensive side with experience. To help talk Scott Frost off the ledge and to get away from just going air raid. Run the football. F-Bomb Brian's with us. F-Bomb Brian, thanks for calling. You're up. I'd like to put my name in on on, on uh, the, the special teams coordinator. Here's my credentials. I'm a multi-time national championship coach on NCAA football, ESPN, or uh, EA Sports NCAA football. Multi-time national Super Bowl champion. In Madden, that's even. Better. I think I have the credentials because I think I could do a way better job. Wait, but my my, my my question here is: Whenever you were coaching in these games, did you go in and physically play the national championship game and the Super Bowl, or did you let it sim? Because that's big. If you're just relying on your own ability in the games, it means a little bit less to me. You know, I details. <laughs> what are we going to get involved with details? Power. <laughs> Why, well, we're asking for a special teams coordinator. What? What's the importance of details you're asking about, Elijah? Well, it, first off, if you're coaching, you any can't idiot, any idiot could see that they're they're overloading the left side of the line. Oh, call a call a timeout. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, three on two usually doesn't work in that math in that setting. As I did we ever play Red Steve. Rover, Red Rover when we were kids? Come on. This is Nebraska. Of course we did. We have nothing else better to do. Brian, uh, I'm going to ask this question. You, you mentioned Madden. Uh, you mentioned yes, NCAA football. Were you any good at Bill Walsh's college football on the Sega or, dare I say, John Elway football on Nintendo? I was too young for Bill Walsh, but I do remember John uh, uh, John Elway's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started off on the nine eight nine sports. I started off on the John Elway, and then I moved to, to nine eight nine, and then I grew out of nine eight nine because everybody gets tired of playing Game Breaker Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's all good, you know. Brian, we will. I'm thirty three. No, you're good. We'll we'll run those credentials up the flagpole. How's that sound? All right, I'm completely serious. I mean, any anybody he doesn't have, he can pay me in copper piping. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, give me a shot. What do you have to lose? You're you're. I'm sorry to say, Scott, but I love you, man. But you're not doing it. So why not? You know, 
take a shot on a guy that is a truck driver. Free gear and Jack Daniels. That's your signing bonus. And guns and archery equipment, please. Okay. Hey, well done. F-Bomb Brian, take care. Thanks for what you do long hauling, brother. Yeah, we'll see you later, guys. See you, man. <laughs> that, was, that was a great call. That was oh, funny. <laughs> and, and you bring up things like details. Well, it's big. It's big because... In the actual coaching world, this is how it applies. You can't be the guy that's performing on the field. You're not hitting the meter for that punter like you are in Madden or you are in uh, NCAA football. And you can in NCAA football, but if you sim the game, then it comes down to the talent you've recruited and the mm-hmm. scheme you've put into place. So it's a, there's a big difference there. So let's get into the smart thing. The smart thing, in my humble opinion and my two cents worth of advice is to hire a couple of guys that have five national championships between them, that have seen adversity, that have experienced adversity. One's in their 60s, one's in their mid-50s. They have recruited players like Alex Smith, Eric Haig, Prince Amukamara, Joe Burrow, Johnny Mitchell, Ralph and Mike Brown, Toby Wright, Grant Wistrom, just to name a few. You have your running backs coach who is recruited for you now in Ron Brown on staff. You have your special teams coordinator in Bill Bush on staff right now. You have four spots. There are two that are right down the hall that you don't have to sell and worry about missing on. They can go recruit JUCO. They can hit the portal. And then you go get Mickey Joseph. And then you go get John Garrison. And then you walk away. You step back. Here's what I want offensively. And you coach the rest of the team. Now, there are names out there that I like. Siraka, good offensive coordinator. Penn State, he wasn't so great at Penn State. It was COVID year. Good at Minnesota. Analyst now. Warner. He's down at Florida International, offensive line coach, run game coordinator, just some alternative names that killed it at Ohio State and was at Michigan. Recruited the, the line that's killing Ohio State players probably right now as a, as a B, BTN replay continues to loop. Uh, you have Tom Herman. We hear that bounded about. He's got a highlighter and a chew cup, and he's uh, working for the Bears right now as an analyst. Uh, from a coordinator standpoint, Scott still wants to, to be involved, but he needs to be involved everywhere. So the question here is John Garrison and Mickey Joseph as co-coordinators, and they would both be first-time coordinators. They've coordinated special teams. They've been wide receivers and offensive line coaches. They've been passing game coordinators. They've been run game coordinators, but they've never been offensive coordinators in their career yet. And that's that's the hesitation. Do you go get someone that's more experienced, or do you go get somebody that is a killer recruiter? Above all and beyond all, you need offensive line that kills it. John Garrison can do that for you. He can develop. He can recruit. And he can have a bunch of dudes that can be physical. Uh, other names, Herb Hand, uh, the uh, offensive line coach down at Central Florida. That's Gus's guy. They've been good. Oh, Auburn's O-line 
or I should, I should say he was at Tulsa uh, with Gus there. But point is, is, is Herb's pretty well respected. Uh, Donovan Riola, he's a, a, a name, obviously, that's been bandied about. He's assistant O-line coach at the Bears. Young guy, 38. Um, and maybe. Brad Davis is the offensive line coach that's pretty well respected. He's your interim coach at LSU right now, so that might be a uh, a wait and see. But those are some of the names. And, and I ask this just out loud for the room. If you're Mickey Joseph, you're making 5 to 550 at LSU, and maybe you got offered, maybe you didn't. It's a mystery with that back in 2020 as Nebraska maybe or maybe didn't go after Mickey Joseph or they didn't want to be embarrassed about being turned down by Mickey Joseph. Mickey got a title, right? Mickey got a title after the national title win where his wideouts paired with Bill Bush's quarterback. Bill Bush is already here. So give Mickey a, a chance. Give him a, give him a title and, and work together and listen. Mickey can bring in the talent. He can develop the talent. John Garrison can go get an O-line whipped into shape. And if you have a good O-line, you're going to be able to run the football. You're going to be able to give whoever's playing quarterback for you time to throw it to the current group of receivers and all the NFL dudes that Mickey Joseph can recruit to play receiver for you. And then you can maybe light up the Big Ten to pair with a a blue-collar, hard-nosed defense and a special teams unit that doesn't get a get a punt blocked or give up 41 points uh, over your tenure here in 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 shock plays that flip the momentum and score of a football game and bury but above bury your team but you have Bill Bush and Ron Brown on the sideline they're gonna be able to help the morale thing uh, when you're the head coach and and you sink down to your knees after a blocked punt, and then you tell us in the post game that the game was over after a blocked punt. And he's not wrong. You have to surround yourself with experts and great coaches and not be threatened by that. And I'm not saying he is, but you got to listen. You got to have an open mind. And that's kind of my layout right now. It's there. And you've got two of the four spots ready to be filled, already here. Guys that are here for you Bill Bush, Ron Brown. And can you sell uh, the opportunity if you're John, to get John Garrison back? He's doing well, but give him a bump and sweeten the deal with with a with a co coordinator title, right? You've got Tim Beck doing really good things at NC State, so that opportunity is not there. The question is, would you want to come back to a place that popped you? It's happened. I mean, Nebraska's good at bringing back old names. Uh, if you can get a Herman. Sure. See, and I, I think I just don't think that. I mean, don't you think Herman, with all the job openings, don't you think Herman's going to land somewhere? It may not be glamorous or glorious, but he's got to be a name on the on a list somewhere. My my question is: is how much has his reputation been hurt by how things ended at Texas? But I, I think it'd, it'd be much bigger for this Nebraska program to have a guy with play calling experience that Scott Frost can turn to and, and hand the keys to the offense to. I don't I think love your take on that. I don't th- I think cold dead hand is more appropriate when push comes to shove. Do you think he's going to willingly hand over? No, no. 
No. But I think that's crucial. At least having somebody that can that can get him a little bit more hands-off during games to be able to be looking at the special teams and going, huh, look at that. It's three against two on the left side with our left-footed punter out there. That's not right. Kick it over the guard, Just please. Some, some attention to detail things that I don't think he can do while he's being the primary play caller for this offense. Well, the other question, too, man, is is he – is he ever going to be better at attention to detail just as a personality? He's a guy with magic markers and a, a blank sheet to get creative and draw well, plays. I, I don't think he can ever do it while he has play calling duties. We haven't seen him try to do it without play calling duties. Maybe that's the next step. And I think it's, it's important to see what he can do without having the burden of play calling duties every Saturday. Well, the smart thing is, is... Fill two of your open spots right now with current guys at Nebraska. Greg Smith will talk quarterback portal and recruiting next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! You know who's a pretty hard boss to please? The boat rower. Uh, Mike Sanford out as OC at Minnesota after two years. Siaraka took off for, for greener pastures at Penn State. Then he was popped. Kalen DeBoer, the pride of the University of Sioux Falls and former Fresno State coach, is off to Washington. That breaks Brandon Vogel's heart. We'll see what makes Greg Smith sad right now. Uh, at Greg Smith uh, HV on Twitter. Greg, I won't bring up any Bears stuff. How are you? Yeah, please don't. Uh, otherwise, I am well. Uh, it's been a busy but good day around here. It has. So I I need the, the dream team, Greg Smith. Four openings. Who are, Who is Greg Smith hiring? Wow, the, the Greg's guys for the, for the assistant <laughs> coaches. Um, <laughs> I think, first and foremost, it, the toughest one, honestly, for me to peg, and I'm going to start here, the offensive line, um, that one's really difficult for me. I would probably, just based on the names that you're hearing, would probably go John Garrison as the pick there. I do like um, where it seems to possibly be heading with Mickey Joseph as wide receivers coach. Um, there's a couple of different offensive coordinators um, that I I really like I, I like the kind of Graham Harrell idea. I also like um, you mentioned Soraka, the the offensive uh, coordinator that had been in Minnesota. I like his name. Uh, Willie Corn is another guy who's been thrown around. Chad Morris. I think that there's some good viable options out there. Uh, for offensive coordinator. Um, special teams, you're going to have to do something there, I think, um, which is going to present some interesting challenges because then somebody's going to have to, or two people are going to have to double up on the staff. But I definitely think you need someone special teams. I would keep Bill Bush in house um, for that. And then running backs, um, your guess is as good as mine on that one because that's the one that you've heard just, I feel like, the least about. Well, maybe that's because he's just down the hall. 
Ron Brown. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that works. That works out. And so where where do things sit for you with the, the current commits and uh, some of the fish in Nebraska chasing here before December 15th? Give us the, the lowdown on the high school recruiting uh, one, one and hit list here for for Nebraska, and I know we're pretty limited to between 13 and 15 kids, right? Yeah, I think that you're probably looking at closer to 13 um, kids, but if that's the case, Nebraska has to still get a handful, right? Um, they've got nine commits right now, and I guess the focus to me for the coaching staff so far, at least this week, um, and then even into the weekend a little bit with some Frost in-homes, is going to be visiting the current commits and making sure they get attention, and you know, you always have to make sure you see those guys, especially given how much turmoil there is in the program and change in the program right now, coming off of the three and nine season. So I think that that's priority one when it comes to high school recruiting. But beyond that, it's going to be really interesting because I think I said this to you a couple of weeks ago that if Nebraska was going to get to this 13 to you know 15-ish range on the recruiting trail for high school guys for 22, some of those kids have not been to Lincoln yet and there's going to be a mad dash here um, in these couple of weeks leading up to the December signing period. Um, I am fascinated to see how many official visits they end up using for these, these two weeks um, that they have available to them in, in this month uh, before the signing period because we just did not see very much movement at all when it came to official visits, which makes it really hard to, to be able to tell who it is that Nebraska is targeting. Um, and then so far, there's been such a little movement when it comes to going to see new targets um, here early, at least in the week uh, for the first week of the offseason. Well, Greg, it's got to be a, a major boost as I look at the uh, the weather for Lincoln over the next couple of weeks for these uh, these visitors coming to town. It's not going to be that classic December weather. Um, but seriously here, whenever I'm looking at the, the current staff, I know Scott Frost is still working to, to finalize his next staff, but are, are these current interim coaches out on the road recruiting, or, or how does that whole situation work? Because I saw today that, that Bob Stoops is going to be out on the road recruiting for Oklahoma while he's their interim head coach. <laughs> yeah, things get a little wild around this time, right, when it comes to that sort of stuff. So essentially what can happen is is that you can have those interim coaches go out on, on, on the road recruiting. Um, basically, yeah, I think you have to just apply for like a, hey, you get it, waiver and have those guys take a recruiting test, um, make sure they're following the rules, and then they can go out there and do it. Um, the interesting thing is, is I'm not aware of any of the guys that have at, are in that interim role that have gone out um, this week so far for Nebraska. Now, that can always change depending on, you know, if things are kind of lingering with Scott Frost being able to hire those coaches because you also run into a little bit of a tricky thing where you don't want to send out too many different guys to meet these prospects um, knowing that that won't eventually be their coach. That can create some confusion, too. Um, so there's a number of different ways to play it. But to answer the original question, yes, they can go out if they're needed. Remember when T.O. went out pre-Bo? <laughs> I do remember right? that. Great. T.O. put on the old sport coat and went into the living room and had a cup of decaf and, you know, <laughs> there, there you go. I mean, that, that when, when, I, when you just told me that Stoops is out hammering the re- recruiting trail, I know Switzer was at the press conference today. Are you going to bring Barry? It's okay <laughs> to bring bags of money now <laughs> under the I mean, NIL. Maybe if you could you make Barry an analyst and then say, well, we're going to elevate him to like a temporary interim running back coach or something and then have him go out on the road for Oklahoma. Could you do that? Barry Barry's your motivational speaker slash 
wine connoisseur. He's your he's he's kind of your uh, your life skills guy when it comes to economics and what <laughs> wine to order with dinner. So, that is a life skill. I'm just imagining a 17-year-old kid whose coach just left at Oklahoma and in walks Barry Switzer in a fur coat into your house trying to recruit you back. <laughs> at least that, that at least gets your attention. But they are going to have to send that. We're laughing, but they are going to have to do some real damage control uh, at Oklahoma with their, with their recruiting situation. Remember, it could, I guess, always be worse uh, when it comes to the commitment list and guys leaving the class. A lot of talent in that class, but a lot of guys leaving it left and right. Every time I look up, there's a new commitment well here's what you have you have Lincoln Riley Alex Grinch Dennis Simmons uh Bendenbach the O-line and whiteout coach uh Benny Wiley the strength coach is out then you have Malachi Nelson the five-star quarterback Ennis the five-star wideout uh Webb the four-star running back uh Hunter the uh four-star left tackle and then uh Moore the four-star defensive lineman if we're counting yeah, if, if you're counting, right? There is a Nebraska connection there, right? I'll just see what happens with Caden Helms. I know he had tweeted out the West tight end. Um, he's in that Oklahoma class, too. So I'd be curious to see what ends up happening with him. Um, because it has to be awkward. Like, Lincoln Riley has to make a couple calls to those guys and say, hey, I either want you to come with me to USC or not. And that's going to get awkward. All right, let's talk uh, portal. And, Greg, what do you think of the portal quarterback options and Nebraska's ability to at least have a conversation here rattler dylan gabriel and then miles brennan seem to be the three and then costelli with utah as well so i'll add a fourth name in gabriel seems kind of like a no-brainer doesn't he i mean there's got to be crossover from the past you uh central florida staff and when gabriel was there and i say that because he crossed over uh with mckenzie milton yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a guy that makes logical sense uh, for Nebraska to go after. I think that the, the big thing here, and we're talking about these different quarterbacks, and all of them are a little bit different in their style play. Gabriel's more of that true dual threat. The rest of the guys are probably pass-first guys um, that can do a little bit of running. And so it'll be interesting to see which of those guys or if it's somebody else off board from this group that Nebraska goes after might give you a little bit of clue, especially if it happens before and see his name, um, give you a little bit of clue as to which direction they're leaning with that offensive coordinator position. And that's the, the, the big thing. If you want to see, hey, are, are they going to kind of tweak this offense, um, who Nebraska goes after as a portal quarterback will definitely be the first big clue to that, um, though I suppose that we still need the first really big domino of all of that to happen, which actually isn't the OC uh, hires, actually whether or not Adrian Martinez announces that he's coming back to Nebraska or not. Greg, I know quarterback is going to get all the love in the transfer portal, uh, but I did see that Nebraska extended an offer today to, to a position that I think is of, of greater importance. That's the offensive line. Uh, that's a Cornell's Hunter Norzad, potential future academic All-American coming from Cornell. Uh, but not surprising, I think, that Nebraska is already uh, looking on the, uh, on the transfer portal uh, for some new impact offensive linemen that can come in and start right away. Yeah, I think the offensive line is actually going to be the spot that you see Nebraska be the most aggressive uh, in the transfer portal. I think that everybody recognizes that the way that that offensive line was this past season is just not going to be good enough, and you're going to have to have new blood. But not only that, you need older guys, and that's why grad transfer is going to be huge. Obviously, if you can get a transfer that has multiple years left, that's great. Uh, but grad transfer, where you can have kind of a guy that can bridge the gap if you have other young offensive linemen that are still coming through the program, 
program you can develop them will be huge. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't surprising to me. And I'm, I'm vibing with you, though, on the offensive line being the most important thing uh, that Nebraska goes after in the transfer portal this year. Greg, want to go back, and Greg Schmidt's with us, recruiting portal uh, coaching carousel and Nebraska openings, uh, spending time with us on Monday here, Hale Varsity Radio at Greg Smith HV. The Straight Up Breakdown podcast drops tomorrow. Uh, you'll have to tolerate his guest on that one uh, this week. But in all honesty, I don't know that you have to shift what you're doing on offense. You just got to get better at, at, at running the football and being able to run the ball when you want to run it. And then instead of the get back coach, get the don't throw the freaking ball coach, uh, you know, shout down guy and and stick with the run based on the last few plays we saw in the fourth quarter uh, against Iowa. I mean, Nebraska got pass happy and away from the run uh, because there was zero confidence in in running off the edge. I mean, that's my take. I I think the offense is fine. We've seen it light up some good, uh, good defenses this year. It's just been inconsistent when it comes to the power element and getting crucial yards on third and short or protecting the quarterback when you're asking for four seconds to throw. I I don't think the scheme or system's bad. You just need to be able to match it with your personnel better. Yeah, I also think that there's something. I agree with that. I also think there's something to Nebraska – and this is team-wide, the details, those little things um, that obviously got them beat a lot this year and those one-score losses once again, I think that those things um, that could be to continue to be hammered home so Nebraska can be better at that. Um, but I do think that if Nebraska's offensive line, to me, that's the entire key to this offseason. I think the, the, big, the best hire, I think, needs to be made on the offensive line. I think the most impact guys need to come in to the offensive line because if you get that right, if you get that from where it's been um, poor to average, I think that that makes a real difference and a noticeable difference for Nebraska on Saturday's next season considering we saw what they did in moving the football, like you said, against really good defenses, but what did you also see week after week is Nebraska then stall out in the red zone because they couldn't move people when they really needed to. I think it would make a huge difference if you could find some upgrades in coaching on the offensive line and the players out there. Greg Smith, follow him on Twitter at GregSmithHV. Greg, uh, by this time next week, we'll know uh, what's up. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, thanks as always, man, and I appreciate you hopping on the pod this week. I love it. Great to to kick it with Greg uh, for the podcast, the Straight Up Breakdown. More thoughts here on the opening sale of Our City Continues. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. We've got uh, 20 minutes away from Charlie McBride. Get his take on <clears throat> Iowa, Nebraska, the coaching openings, and uh, Lincoln Riley. So, <clears throat> 
I know it's 70 out, but this is screwing me up. Forgive me. I am just going to continue to clear my throat and annoy all. So here, here's the deal with Lincoln Riley and uh, his decision to bounce on Oklahoma. Do you think it was tremendous or kind of cowardly for him? And, and I, I'm interested. You know, how do you view it? Because I know how Oklahoma's viewing it. They're treating him like Lane Kiffin. There's traitor signs all over Norman. But I just look, and it's really a no-brainer for him. It's not like you're going to the NFL, and if you get dumped as kind of a blue blood program like OU, for another blue blood, that ticks you off. OU's got this mystique where where no one leaves us. And if you do leave us, you leave us for somebody high level. Right, like the last coach to to bold Oklahoma, not being shown the door, like Chuck Fairbanks. He left for the Patriots. Great gig. He did awesome work. They they found him because Bob Stoops knows coaches. They found him from East Carolina, and that Mike Leach kind of air raid coaching tree. And Leach's old former defensive coordinator Ruffin McNeil was a head coach there. I mean, that, there's your connection. And Leach makes a phone call to to Stoopsy. He's like, you know, we get, we got a we got a good one here. You got to think about it. And lo and behold, the whiz kid gets the gig and takes you to three college football playoffs. Has an insane system. Is so good that he can bench the front running Heisman goon for the backup from Washington D.C. and still it look at going eleven and two. Tough loss to Baylor. Tough loss to. A really loaded Oklahoma State team, but they're good. And now he is just going to kill it. Forget the the money and forget the, the L.A. mystique. We're talking about having to, to beat Utah or Oregon, probably split. And with the playoff expanding, you're in. You're in every year. SC is going to be in. And you've been ripping kids from California the last five to six years you've been there, all right? You're talking them into the glory that is Norman. <laughs> Instead, uh, they can drive in from 20 minutes away to SC's campus. It, it is brilliant math on Lincoln Riley's part. They are leaving for the, for the SEC. They were going to get murdered in the SEC. Eight and five eventually would not cut it in Norman. And it's self-preservation. They didn't ask him or listen to him when they said, hey, we're going to, we're leaving the Big 12 for more money. Cool. I'm leaving the Big 12 for more money too. (laughs) That's as simple as it goes. And all those kids I busted my ass to bring here. Yeah. I'm just going to go meet them in their backyard, and it's going to take me an Uber ride, not a flight. Done. Good for him. I get the betrayal feeling, but, oh, you thought that LSU was the challenger. I'm hearing Brian Kelly to LSU now. That's who LSU's targeting. Which, you're you're speechless on that. Yeah, good luck, personally, in my opinion. I, I would get... Listen, I'd get the hell out of Notre Dame. You're like 
a seven and five and sub five hundred season away from getting whacked Joe Pesci style at Notre Dame. But he maybe, walked, maybe not. Maybe not now. Maybe the pendulum's going to swing back where people are more patient, and you're going to you're going to be given a losing season or a reset season, like Iowa has every five or six years, or Wisconsin will have an air quote down eight and five. Okay, or heaven forbid, Ohio State loses two games, or Clemson's reset season is right now, and they're still going to go 10-3, and three, probably. But would you leave Notre Dame to go to a place that just whacked their head coach two I, years after they no, won a national championship? No, no. The, the last two coaches they've, they've whacked have won have national, won national cha- championships. Yeah. And, now and, and you'd be going to a, a, an SEC that's soon to be more competitive. Yeah, and, and no one's beaten Bama. And guess what you have at Notre Dame? You have, oh, G5 schools all year long with one Power 5 crossover. You get a date, the ACC beat them. You, you don't, but you don't really play the top schools in the SEC. The, I'm sorry, the ACC, excuse me. No, I mean, once in a while, if, Florida State's been down. You'll get Clemson. You got Clemson twice last year. All right. But you beat them once. No, you're fine. But you still get a couple of Big Ten schools and you get USC. All right. And the service academies are a pain in the ass to deal with because they're option. But he's done a really good job, and I think people are, are, are happy with it. We'll get to the phones here in a minute. Uh, Pete, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead, bud. Pete. Did we lose Pete? We lost Pete. Maybe this is Pete. Is this Pete? Pete. Pete, how you good, doing? good, buddy. Go for it. Hey, I guess on the Lincoln-Riley deal, I guess I can kind of understand if, if you have – Aspirations of wanting to win a national championship. I think his chances might be better at USC than Oklahoma. But I, I kind of see maybe a trend in college football coaches maybe reverting a little bit. You know, they went out there and they paid a lot of money to coaches. Uh, I think it's going to kind of revert back to finding a, a little less experience, less name, but a really good coach and uh, get the salaries down a little bit because the salaries are really, over time, going to hurt some of these universities. I just kind of want to get your opinion. You know, Pete, thanks for listening. Appreciate the phone call and question. I think with the TV money in the right league, you're going to see this fire and higher body count. You are. And eventually, patience and self-restraint will take over the more LSU cases you have where you were the first to take out Coach O. Probably deserved it. It was jacking around too much off the field. And and now you're, you're all right, well, we're on to Coach Kelly. Clearly the third choice. He isn't going to like that. Uh, maybe you go get Campbell. Is his star fading going seven and five after a a uh, ten and two top top ten. But okay, but on on the flip side here of what Pete's saying is, if, if you're going and dropping a hundred plus million dollars in a year for uh, Lincoln Riley or you're extending Mel Tucker for ninety five million, you're going to be so much more reluctant to fire your coach to not pay no, a that, forty million dollar no, buyout. That's your investment, and that that is all. And Pete's right. That's also accepting that there's going to be good and and bad mm-hmm. years. Mel Tucker could go seven and five next year, but guess what? That's your new normal is to lock up a guy you believe in is going to cost you that. Look at what Brom was making. He's got a chance to win the West next year, all right, with what's coming back. And he went 8-4 and four this year after kind of some hot seat talk. And they're paying 5.6 to Brom at Purdue, just as a, as a recent division example. You're going to have to overpay 
or or hedge it and pay a lot to keep what you're happy with. And credit to Alberts. I know a lot of you are ticked off and you're still pissed about Friday. But right now, th- this race would not be good for Nebraska if they were also on the carousel. We'll wind down hour one. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Phone lines at 466 3776 800 5865. Is it that big a question mark to leave OU for USC? Uh, Pete had some good thoughts on that. Uh, good stuff earlier from F Bomb Brian, who wants to be the special teams coach. Uh, in Lincoln, his qualifications, Madden, and uh, NCAA college football. And, oh, yes, he just his signing bonus is Jack Daniels and gear. Reminder to buckle up, 70% of people in fatal crashes. In Nebraska, not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And, you know, Pete was asking about are, are ADs going to spend less money and kind of try and find that, that hidden, hidden gem uh, a la Utah hiring or Bowling Green hiring an Urban Meyer, a wide receivers coach for, Lou Hall, for, uh, for uh, a guy. The guy was at A&M, and then he was at New Mexico, and then he was at Bob uh, something or other. Uh, Bob Davey. That that Urban was on, you know, when Nebraska won in overtime, Urban's standing there with a with a with a polo shirt and he's coaching wideouts. PJ Fleck, wide receivers coach, got the Western Michigan job. There we have it. Well, yeah, and that's a, a point that Pete brought up. He called me again during the break and wanted to bring up the fact that maybe with all these coaches going and taking big money jobs uh, in these places where they're expected to succeed right away, that it's going to bring pressure. Whereas uh, a, a job that comes with limited pressure, you're going to a you know, a, a team that's in the middle of a Power Five conference, and you were just a wide receivers coach or a coordinator somewhere. And you don't have head coaching experience. It doesn't come with that pressure, and you get to coach a little more free and recruit a little bit more freely, as opposed to knowing if you don't succeed that you could be shown the door here in two years. Are they going to let you grow? Mm-hmm. Are they going to let you grow into your gig if they're saving some money on the hire? Now, listen, you're going to go six and six, seven and five, probably your first year at USC. Pete Carroll went six and six. Then they went 11-2. and two. You know, how long does the Pac-12 stay down? You have Whittingham and you have Cristobal, and Cristobal's probably gone here when Miami opens. I would think. Because home is home for him, right? Florida's home. He's a you guy, despite what Uncle Phil can throw at you. And I just, it's just going to be an easier task. It's, it's not easy to win. But it's just going to be an easier path right now for Lincoln Riley and USC. Plus, it's all the resources. He can go get the assist. He's taking his assistance, but he can go get 
the rest of, of everything filled out because it's a private school from a from an entrance standpoint. Stanford and UCLA, the hardest two schools to get in. SC and easy, but it's private, so you can kind of do what you want <clears throat> academically and athletically with some of the admissions. A little easier than, than the public um, uh, schools in, in, in the Pac-12 and in the California University system. And you're going to be able to pay your assistance, whatever the hell you want. You've got a budget and a limit within what Chip Kelly, and from a, from a convenience standpoint, you can live a hell of a lot closer. Your assistants can live closer to campus, theoretically. Pete Carroll's assistants are living probably an hour away on the freeway, on the 405. So this is, this is a no-brainer for Lincoln. He didn't even have to trade his Jordans out, you know, color-wise. Coach McBride, he'll tell us what happens next in Lincoln with the openings, the recruiting, and, oh yeah, the Iowa game. Hour 2 of Hale Varsity next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Into Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, as uh, we're gearing up for um, a busy week with Nebraska and their four assistant coaching positions. What do they do? Where do they go? And how does it uh, all transpire? So uh, let's uh, check in with Mr. Blackshirt himself. We say hi to Charlie McBride with this coach. That was quite a picture of you and your black shirt on Saturday with a little helmet. How are you? That was my game uniform, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, looked looked good. Could have used you on special teams. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I'm gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. busy, uh, busy weekend. Hope you had time with, uh, with friends and family and, and had a great Turkey day coach a uh, lot to get to today. I'm interested to, to kind of get your thoughts first and foremost on the Iowa game. What would you take away? What uh, stuck out to you? Well, you know, the whole thing was that I, you know, one of the things that put us in that situation on the interception because we had a holding penalty to got us back and put us back farther, mm-hmm. which probably would have changed the play and changed a lot of things. So, you know, there's a lot of things involved in, you know, just that, just the interception itself. And um, <laughs> the, the, uh, I could, the only thing I could tell from the end zone, from the, they did have an end zone shot 
and there's four, I guess, four guys back there, and the one on the left side, as you look from the kicker's view, to be the left side, block down and just let the guy go. And uh, so I don't know. I, it looks to me like there might have been a little bit of a blocking assignment mm-hmm. mistake there, and you know, in that. So <clears throat> I don't know. I just those are the kind of things right there that uh, you know you have to you have to really be careful with because I know what helped us the most was we were all involved in it. And, uh, you know, and we had our, our, actually our linebacker coaches have always kind of, uh, one time when Cleet Fisher was there, he was, uh, he, he was the kicking coach, but we all were involved in it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, in other words, I would take, let's just say I would take the last four guys, you know, that would be my responsibility. And so I'd coach those four and then somebody had coached the two, you know, maybe the center and the guard and vice versa and, but we all we all worked it together, you know. It was uh, our, our, we, we Dan Young was what, what you would call our special teams coach because he's the one that studied it, and then we'd get our assignment from him. So it, it was it was a, a deal where at least we got eyeballs on everybody involved, and we of course we filmed it, and you know you could look at stuff where. We even may have made mistakes as coaches, and he could straighten it out. So it was, it was a, it was a, you know, kind of a uh, coordinated effort, Mm -hmm. and it really helped because Dan, Dan, of course, was ended up being the assistant offensive line coach, which was really a plus because we had we could split our line up, and he spent a lot of time working on pass block, pass blocking, and. And uh, picking up stunts and things like that. And he did a lot of work in the summertime. You know, he went to some pro camps and got to know a couple of guys and really spent time with them. That you know, that had to do that. And of course, they had about more twice as many different kinds of stunts as had had. So it really worked out well mm-hmm. for us as far as that goes. And um, you know, he was able to still you know help uh, coach the offensive line. And then when we broke into four groups, he was with one station and Coach Tennifer was with the other station. And in some cases, that you know, that really helped because you have two people, you know, uh, that are there. You know, us on defense, we were a little, we had a little bit easier. We only had, I think, four guys. So we had had two at each station and uh, we had four stations going and, that's one of the things I think you have to look at is I think they have to look at um, if they're just going to have two stations, they're not going to get the reps with all the kids they need. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, you know, in one week. I mean, you're going to – it's like kind of like the pro team. Of course, they have all early season. So, you know, that's, Let, that's different. But as far, yeah. as, as, far as all the all the problems that they had in the game, I think, you know, they came out, you could say the same thing about every week. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, you mentioned your four stations, the development with the sheer number of kids, right? You yeah. Had, you had 150 or whatever it was, and you had kids get reps, and by the time it was to, to time for them to get in or, or play, either in-game or by the time their time came uh, during a season, they'd had several hundred to several thousand reps. Oh. And, and, and <laughs> if... And if you're down to just two stations with 150 kids, uh, 
You know, you're, no, you're, then, you're delaying the, the, the development. Right. You're, you're, because those kids are working. Your offensive guys are, you know, are, are working with the, they're working against the defense and vice versa. But the, as far as looking at it from the defensive side, which I did, we were able to have those kids working on their techniques and the things that we were taught, they were taught during group work. And they were going against as good of people as they were ever going to see on the field. And it made a huge difference, you know, in, in depth because we found guys that, uh, you know, are especially a lot of our third team guys, I mean, you know, that were there and we couldn't, we didn't use them on that when we had the two stations. We just pretty much had ones and twos, but mm-hmm. some threes. A lot of times we have rotation of guys. I, you know, I've had three, say, for example, what we called them, they were outside linebackers, what they're called now. But <clears throat> we would have, um, you know, our first team might have three guys. And one of them, we may play both sides. That was Mike Rucker, and he ended up going. He played that, the NFL. That for yeah, Mike Rucker was pretty yeah. Coach, a thought on on adversity. Nebraska had adversity, and the punt block happened, and that's when the uh, the avalanche started. How did you handle yourself during adverse situations? Kids are looking to you for leadership, right. and, and there was leadership with some of the players, obviously. But you well, can't you can't ever fold up, can you? If if it goes sideways, you got to hold strong, don't you? Well, there's there's times when our we we took they actually took our our guys out. We put some guys in that you know in the game um, defensively. We tried to get as many as we could in, and it got to a point where people they were scoring points, and we had to go back to our second unit or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, back on the field that Reedy knew because we were basically calling all the base defenses that they knew. Okay, we weren't calling a lot of the stunts we worked on that week and so on and so forth. So I, I only remember that happened one time, and I can't even remember what year it was. But you know, it was kind of a deal where our first units, both both units, kind of thought it where they were done for the day, and then. Uh, you know, they, they, their edge came off, and when they got in there, they weren't any better than third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but you know, so you have you have to be really positive with them. No, you can't you can't get screaming and hollering and and that stuff during a game. It just doesn't work because some kids are, you know, don't don't handle it well, and they mm-hmm. they just kind of feel like they need to give up or something. You know, you don't know you don't know a lot of those younger guys, so. It's kind of hard to, you know, it's hard to really get in there and discipline a lot of people. I think one of the things is we were always, when, they, when we came off the field, they all sat together, okay, and the coaches talked to them every time. In other words, the first part of the game, I'd want to know what their snap count is. I want to know, you know, what they saw out there. And, and if there was a certain play that we've never seen before, they would say this guy did this and this guy did. We might know that that happened, but sometimes we're wrong, mm-hmm. and that's why again it's so important to have the good, some good, good people up in the press box. And and, and we were lucky. Tony Samuel and George Darlington were golden. I mean, they were. And then of course with George with the secondary, we had a graduate assistant down. 
and they were talking to each other all the time, and the graduate assistant was then telling the defensive backs, or if it was an individual thing, they'd give them the phone. But if it was a team thing, then the, the graduate assistant would take care of it. Charlie McBride's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, I was kind of doing some research. Mickey Joseph, John Garrison are two names we're hearing. Uh, we know John's mm-hmm. one of your kids. You recruited him, and he's been really, really tremendous mm-hmm. at Nebraska and beyond. Mickey, of course, was at Nebraska when you were there and high-profile recruit and really just killed it, done a great job as a, as a wide receivers coach at LSU. What's the biggest what, what's the biggest challenge? What was it for you when you made the step up from just O-line coach or D-line coach to coordinator? How difficult is that if someone were to, to make that jump, get that promotion? How does it change you? Well, we're, you know, I always did this. You know, first of all, if you have a big ego, you might as well quit coaching. Okay. And if you're not willing to listen to people, what they say, then you don't belong where you are. I mean, you belong someplace else. Mm. And I thought four heads were always better than not one, you know, and we had four guys and we all, you know, we stamped approval to everything that we did. And, uh, you know, and we were able to, we worked with each other enough where at halftime we could go in and pretty much solve the problem within seconds if we hadn't done it already on the field, you know, and so each coach would get with their, their group. I, I don't know how they work it now at all, uh, how they how they go about it. I don't know how they work their communication from the press box or any of that. But I do know that it's not as hard as you think it is. And, and we were able to use utilize our now, what would be now, um, some of the guys um, in the press box, you know, that were uh, graduate assistants, and uh, we got up to four. We had two, but we ended up with at the last, oh, I don't know how many years, man, we were able to have four guys. So we were able two of those, if they weren't working on the field, they were able to be up in the press box, and they really helped because they, you know, did the statistic part of it that they wanted up there, and each coach up there had somebody you know, or one person to help help them out. So you know, if you ha- you have to divide your staff the, the way it's going to do the best they can. But I would know, you know, because they can see up there uh, exactly what the heck's going on, formations, and all that kind of thing, which are really important, especially to the linebackers and so forth. Coach, and secondary. got a couple of minutes. What makes John Garrison so good? As a developer think, and a recruiter, I think number one, his communications ability with kids is good, was really good. I mean, he has a you know he's a down to earth good person, and uh, you know I'd hire the guy. I mean, there there wouldn't be any question about it. I, I, you know, John is now he's been around different places. He's been. Uh, uh, I think he's at North Carolina State now, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's putting all Americans into the NFL. Is what he's doing. <laughs> That's right. Well, and he's working with a great head coach now mm-hmm. over there, and a guy from Kansas City. They're both from Kansas City, so I can see where that. And this is the first year that they've ever won ten games. Mm-hmm. I think, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, so he had a, they had a good year over there. 
and uh, and ended up coming back at the end. Uh, so that's that's a plus because they were down and ended up winning the game. And um, you know, at the end, that was the last game they played in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I got to see some of that, but um, you know, John is John's just a, if if the players don't like him, then something's wrong with them. <laughs> you know, I mean, and he he's not an, he's not going to be easy. I mean, he he will he'll he'll demand some things, but uh, smart, you know, great background. Good area to we we kind of we haven't we've kind of blown off Kansas City mm-hmm. a little bit, I think. And that not I I had the whole I had the state of Missouri and, and eastern Kansas and then went on to Chicago and mm-hmm. St. Louis and those things. But I'm sure that his recruiting thing back east has been a, a plus too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a really really big plus, and he's young. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's got energy, and uh, you get. You, I, I always thought the one thing, if I coached him, I'd have to take his fishing pole away from him <laughs> for a while. <laughs> he's, a, he's an avid fisherman, and I mean, he's he really likes to fish. And um, but I think that, you know, being back here, or family and everything, would be a big plus for him. Well, it'd be big for Nebraska as they're trying to fill things out. We'll see if uh, Mickey Joseph and John Garrison are part of that list where Coach Frost goes. Recruiting so important. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie. Coach, we'll uh, we'll see where things go, and we'll talk to you next Monday. How's that sound? Okay. Well, I hope some guy, some of these guys that really don't have to leave don't leave. You know, it really would help be a plus for them, especially some of the older guys. Yeah. You no know, kidding. come back that way. So... Well, okay. I'll talk to you next week, All and right, uh, we'll we'll just go for the best with recruiting and everything. We'll see how it shakes out. You take care, Coach. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, okay. Talk to you later, Chris. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Derek Peterson on the way. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Charlie McBride. Be sure to get the on-demand ESPNLincoln.com on the website. Check that interview out, ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Elijah's going to put a two-minute drill up on uh, Coach McBride and some thoughts on John Garrison, what makes him so good, and he's done really well at NC State. Well, a lot on our mind when it comes to Nebraska football and, uh, of course, the Lincoln-Riley departure. We welcome in native Oklahoman and tremendous with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Don't forget Black Friday deal, the digital special, and the print going on till midnight. Uh, LVarsity.com backslash subscribe at Dr. PDHV is where you follow him on Twitter. Derek, have you pulled your name out of the OC running? Uh, no, my name is still in the head coach running. Um, those guys are making good money now. So I've got some 
interesting ideas written on some napkins scattered around the apartment that okay. I have uh, I have. I have taken pictures of and faxed over to Josie, so I'm awaiting my uh, my interview any day now. Well, good. And, and we had a caller earlier that just wants Jack Daniels and uh, gear uh, for the special teams job. Um, I, I think you would do it for a for a Jordan apparel deal, correct? <laughs> yes. And I just realized you were asking me about the Nebraska OC position. Yes. Not yes, the I Oklahoma was. OC. No. There are so many jobs open in college football right now, Schmitty. No, there are so it's, many jobs it's open. And it's everywhere. And it's <laughs> some of the contracts that are getting handed out. Like I, like Mel Tucker has a $7.5 million assistant salary pool for his coaches at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, he could go hire freaking Brent Venables from Clemson and still have Nebraska's entire salary pool for assistance dole out to the other nine guys like nebraska's gonna have to spend some money on this oc that, that, that would make sense and we'll start there i want to get your lincoln riley reaction all, all that stuff but as you as you scan the oc options who are your top three who do you like who do you like coming in uh to, to help run things well jeff webby would be number one but he's not a realistic option. He's just the best guy out there. Um, everybody likes the Coastal Carolina guy. You like corn? Which okay. I, which I get, which I get a lot. Um, I think Graham Harrell should be on the list as well. Um, though, you know, with what's going on at USC, you don't know what, what's coming there. Um, the, the Mickey Joseph chatter is interesting. Um, I think Frost just needs to. I think he just needs to find a guy that is just going to bring some some new ideas to the table. Um, you know, he, he had Troy Walters from UCF, and then he he brings over Matt Lubick, and, and a lot of the, the stuff with Matt Lubick was that they spoke the same language and they knew each other, and there was that kind of bond from when they were coaching in Oregon. And, and really, you know, I, I, I liked what Lubick said and did, and I, I think his work with the wide receivers this year spoke for itself, but... Um, at the end of the day, it seemed like, you know, Lubick's defining characteristic was that he was an Oregon guy. Mm-hmm. And I think for Frost to kind of get the success that he's looking for, I think the defining characteristic of this OC has to be he, he's the best guy available. Um, and, and we've talked in our, like, Hale Varsity Black Channel a ton, uh, kind of comparing to the, the Chuyote hires they had on defense. Mm-hmm where it wasn't really, you know, a name that had a Nebraska tie or a name that had a tie to this coaching staff. It was just they brought a guy in that, that they heard good things of, crushed the interview, they liked his ideas, and he's been really good on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think that that's what they need to do. Um, and, and so you talk about a guy at Coastal Carolina, you know, we, we've, <clears throat> we've heard that Frost had an affinity for that offense and the way that it ran. And we saw this season they kind of stumbled into a pretty successful triple option element to their offense. Um, I don't know if there's anything tying Corn to Nebraska aside from people just being the, fond of him and, and the name about him. <laughs> yeah, well that too. <laughs> yeah, um, but but I, I mean I do think that he's I do think he's one of the better guys available. I just, you know, there were people talk about Tom Herman as a potential OC. 
Um, when Dan Mullen got fired at Florida, everybody was like, well, maybe Dan Mullen wants to rehabilitate his career. I don't know if that's necessarily the route that they should go. Um, I think, you know, I think, I think Corn's interesting. He's really interesting. Derek Peterson's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Derek, what's your take just on the pedigree of what this offensive coordinator should bring? Uh, do, do you think that it would be more advantageous to go down the route of, of a young guy who maybe does not have experience calling plays such as Mickey Joseph or throughout a litany of other names? Or do you think it's important to get a guy with experience, maybe a guy even with some previous head coaching experience to be able to come in uh, and mentor Frost in a way, uh, but to be able to take away from some of the offensive play calling duties from uh, Coach Frost? Yeah, I think that's the that's the challenge. The latter is going to be hard to get at Nebraska because of the situation, because of the situation that Frost finds himself in. It's, you know, that's that's the kind of guy that he's when he when he talks about I need a guy that I can trust and a guy that that Frost is going to be willing to to hand the offense, which has been his baby his entire coaching career, to, to hand that off. Like you would need a guy that he trusts and not only trusts but respects. Um, and, and so you know, naturally, you would think about. You know, one of those guys that that has been there, done that at this level. It's just hard to tell how accessible those guys are at at Nebraska right now. I'm not saying that the the, the the OC job at Nebraska is not an attractive position. Just right now, I wonder how accessible some of those guys are. And so, you know, the I think, and we're kind of seeing this across the country. I think that the, the head coach that's like trending right now is the guy that can be the CEO type, a guy that, that isn't just completely dedicated to, to scheming one side of the football and can spend a lot of his time on recruiting and, and just setting up the program. And, and I, I think Frost can be successful in that role. But he he has to one be willing to do that role and two have a guy at OC that he's comfortable with to, to take on that kind of a role. But I, I think that's where we're trending in college football. And so like this OC hire, you know, I, even if it's not a guy that has just a, a tremendous resume that blows him out of the water, if it's not like a Tom Herman, it, it still has to be a guy that. It still, it just still has to be a guy that Frost is going to give the offense to. And if, if there are reservations about that, you know, I, there's, there's gonna. I think, that, I think they just have to kind of take a leap of faith um, if, if it comes down to it. Derek, a reaction in Norman is, is a is Venables going to be the guy, and B, what's your reaction to the trader? paraphernalia that is all over Norman with Riley leaving. Are you, are you blown away that Lincoln left? I'm not. I, I was very shocked that he left. Yes, Oklahoma doesn't have coaches leave for other coaching positions. The, the, the dates are out there. Uh, first time it's happened for another college job since the 40s. Um, I am not surprised at the reaction because I lived in the state when Kevin Durant left. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, my brother and I were talking about Brent Venables. He's, he's obviously the, the hot name that everybody wants. Like, uh, is he gonna? Is he ever gonna leave Clemson? Like, I was just sitting there and talking. He's about, happy. He's happy and he's rich. Right. And I was just talking about the CEO type. Like, that, you have to have a specific kind of person to want to do that. 
And Brent Venables has turned down so many other head coaching jobs. Now, none of them have been Oklahoma, but he's turned down other head coaching jobs. Maybe he just doesn't want to do that. Maybe he's just comfortable getting getting paid a cool $2.5 million or whatever he's making. He's making a lot <laughs> to just coach defensive football. And Clemson had a down year, but it's not like he's been lacking for success at Clemson. So that one, that one is interesting. I think he'd be really good at Oklahoma, but – um, that job is going to be interesting. And, and I think it's going to be super, super important for like the next 15, 20 years of Oklahoma football because of where they're going. It's like, like I've been listening to, to podcasts from folks back home who are talking about this and, and a lot of, you know, like there's the danger of them becoming Nebraska comments are getting made, um, which, which is you know, a little, a little backhanded, but I, I, you know, it's, it's real. Like, Lincoln Riley left abruptly, and the recruiting classes are, are kind of falling apart, and mm-hmm. assistant coaches have left, and maybe Caleb Williams leaves. I don't know. Like, there's the potential that the divorce could get super messy. Oh, it's, and, like, me- it's messy. There. It's all about messier. the lake home right now. <laughs> messier. Yeah. I mean, it could get worse. It could get so much worse, um, particularly if. Caleb Williams leaves, and players from from the team currently start leaving. Um, I, I think it could set them back a, a ways. But I also don't. I don't really like have any issue with Lincoln Riley doing what he did. No, it's no different than OU jumping the Big Twelve for the SEC for more money. It's the same thing. He's just doing it as a coach. Well, well I mean, it, and an easy, easier, easier path, babe. Yeah, you live across the landscape of college football, and and you see coaches getting fired for a lot less than they were getting fired for. Uh, not that long ago, and you're going to if you're going going to the SEC, like instead of having to beat Iowa State and Oklahoma State and Baylor in a year, now you got to beat Alabama and LSU and Florida and Georgia and Texas A&M. Like, if I'm a coach, it's not necessarily running from a challenge. It's more of like, <laughs> I want to keep my job, man. Like, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go to a place that's gonna pay me a, a boatload of money that's gonna you know give me good job security. That's what we're all looking for. I can't really. I can't really get mad at Lincoln for leaving. Now nah, he he did some um, kind of not so good things on his way out. If some of the reporting is to be believed, but you know, coaches leave, it happens. Derek, before we get you out of here, I think yesterday marked the, uh, the like the start of silly season where things just start happening that you can't even believe, and that's the coaching carousel. And one of the hallmarks of silly season is people tracking flights in and out of airports, trying to figure out who is coming, who's getting interviewed, and whatnot. So I want to ask, are, are you the, the flight tracker guy for Hale Varsity, or has there been a flight tracker guy assigned for Hale Varsity so you, uh, you guys can be first on the news? Um, I am not. No. <laughs> I don't, I don't, mostly because I don't know how to work the thing. Um, I've never tried. Actually, I don't think we'll, we'll give that to Steve. We'll, we'll get. We'll make. We'll, we'll have that be an initiation thing. Give that to Steve. Yeah, it can be the flight tracker. No, the thing now, the uh, the the 2021 flight tracker season is actually just look at uh, who guys are following on Twitter, and mm-hmm. that'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, twenty seconds. Your offensive line hire is who for Nebraska? One name. Twenty seconds. I don't know. John Garrison? Yes. Thank you. You're just confirming what Schmidt has been saying all day here. For two weeks. <laughs> For two weeks. Gotta have that's the that's that's the single most important thing. I'm sorry, oh, I know you big. I know you gotta go. The O line is the most important thing for them to have success next year. It wasn't good this year. Amen. Dr. Petey, uh, tweet out a picture of your new Jordans, all right? 
Hey, we'll do it. Got some for Christmas. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jay Moore with this black shirt, Husker, NFLer, co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, did you have a good Thanksgiving, except for that fourth quarter? <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, you're catching me uh, while I'm uh, leaving the gym, so there was cardio, and there was some time in the sauna. Get rid of the copious amounts of food and adult beverages that I consumed between <laughs> between Thursday and Saturday. Yeah, we're, we're off the right track. Jay, I want to get your take, man. I know statistically the defense is way better than it's been, and this isn't to, to penalize, but that's a tough finish. Wisconsin-Iowa back-to-back, and you saw Wisconsin and Iowa both kind of get off in the run game. Do you think the defense wore down, or was it just two teams that, that kind of rose up against Nebraska? You know, you look at the Wisconsin game, I think – saw what kind of impact Joe Doman has to this defense. I think that that was an issue. And then and not having Damian Daniels, I don't remember exactly when he got hurt in the Wisconsin game. But obviously he doesn't he's not able to play against Iowa and he's by far our best run defender on that defense. So I you don't have those two guys that that's really hard. Put some young guys in there, you know, you got, you've seen uh, Blaze Gunnerson, you've seen Isaac Gifford, you know, a lot of guys. So you're forced to play some younger guys and safeties have to fit very well in the run game. I think that was arguably your three best defenders in a very experienced defense are gone and you put some young guys in there it doesn't take much for, for a little crease here and uh, you, you get the run game going and so that's not super surprised Wisconsin Iowa they know who they are and they have really good offensive lines and they operate very well and they just they don't try to be fancy they don't try to be cute they don't try to be sneaky really by any means they just kind of line up and you kind of know what's coming and they're just they're saying hey we're, we're coming at you with Three tight ends on the field. Good luck. Iowa Center is going to be a first-round draft pick, another first-round draft pick for an Iowa offensive lineman. And they just they know who they are, and they're comfortable with it. And they know they can line up and run the football. And that's just that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, I, I love that kind of football. I mean, that's what you saw Michigan do to Ohio State, you know, this, this weekend. It's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. It's, it's not sexy at all, but I tell you what, I've been on D-lines before, and you know what play's coming, and they're running it. They're just kicking your ass. It's not fun to be a part of, so I love it when you can. You know, I wish Nebraska would kind of get back to that. What we're, what we, what, what uh, we were able to do, you know, for so many years, we did that. So you have the injuries. I think are a bit of a mix. And I think the defense also is just got a little tired towards the end of the year. They got stressed out to to the max. They really didn't get much help from the offense all year. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, do you like the the future potentially where Nebraska can go with what they have at quarterback? Did you see enough of Logan? Uh, not really. He was fine. He was serviceable. I think it was a pretty safe game plan for him. Not a lot of deep shots. A lot, but it's fine. You know, I think sometimes with Adrian, I think we try to go for the big plays too much. And I would love to see Adrian kind of get some seven, eight yard routes uh, a little more often to kind of get in the flow and uh, a better flow. He run, he, the handles of the run game, it's fine. He, people saw why Adrian was still the better option all year. I mean, Adrian, or excuse me, Logan was, is, is a good, he's a good quarterback. And I'm sure he'll continue to get better. But I don't think he's a surefire starter next year by any means. It helps to get some to get some reps, some light bullet reps for a whole game instead of some cleanup duty or or when aging gets banged up. But uh, it was fine. But I'm, I'm not I'm not sold on him. You know, wouldn't be mad if Adrian came back for another year and 
and would it be mad if Harburg, Heinrich Harburg or, or they go get a guy in the portal either? Um, but, you know, the quarterback position will get better as soon as the offensive line gets better, and they just haven't been very good for four years. Jay, let's get into uh, Bill Bush, a name that's on staff now, a coach you played for, and you also have uh, Virginia's uh, special teams coordinator. Those are the two names we hear when it comes to four staff positions with uh, Coach Frost making that plunge, hopefully, into a special teams coordinator. Uh, What can you tell me about Coach Bush? Uh, I think he's an incredible recruiter, but he's just – He's just really good. It, it makes sense to keep him somehow, wouldn't it? Yeah, I I, I would love for them to give him a, a full time shot. You know, he lo- he's obviously from here. Uh, I think he's from Pender, Nebraska, to be specific. And uh, he's intense. You know, I think all special teams coaches there. You got you, sometimes you have a screw loose because you're you're handling. I mean, that's the craziest part of the game. You got you know you got you know kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return field goal, field goal block, you know, and it's all way, every, every play is way, way different and every situation is different. And, uh, and he's, you know, he was a special teams guy when I was there and I was on, you know, punt and uh, it was important. It's important. And he's intense. He gets on guys for not doing his job. And, uh, you know, our special teams are pretty good, you know, while we were, while I was, we were at Nebraska, you know, um, he took pride in it and, he, you know, he got on you because it's easy for some guys to not take it as, special teams as serious because it's not the sexy role you know it's you're not a you're not you're not a starter on offense or defense you know and but we all can see how important special teams is and you have to get that across to your to your players and a lot of your young players who are you know freshmen sophomores maybe some walk-on junior seniors that are getting their first lick of division one it's like man this decides football games (laughs) and there's no great better case in point than you know, the nine losses this year, you know, you can, Nebraska, you know, the, the mishaps of special teams, Nebraska, is the season's vastly different. So I, I think it'd be a really good hire to, to keep Bill Bush. He cares about this place, you know, and he's been a part of some other, some staff, you know, he's been a part of LSU. He's been a part of, you know, he's been a part of uh, Wisconsin. And, and, and so he knows what makes those teams great, and especially Wisconsin, who doesn't, ex, you know, might not have the, the best talent year in, year out, but somehow they win nine, ten ball games, and they're they're playing for big twelve or big ten championships, and they're playing in New Year's uh, New Year's uh, Day bowl games. So you're able to collect that knowledge. So I, I think it's uh, it would be. Uh, I don't know much about the Virginia guy, but I I do know Bill Bush. They would uh, it would not be a bad hire by any means. Jay, last thought. Here's the names coming back, presumably on defense: Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson, Caleb Tanner. Uh, and, uh, of course, you've got uh, Reimer and Henrich, right? Next year, mm-hmm. Nebraska's front seven, are you, are you excited for what they can, can jump to? They were pretty good this year. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you got to – I think Casey Rogers has, has evolved into a really good player. I think uh, Ty Robinson, I expected more out of him this year, I'll be honest. But I, you know, I still forget he's he's a, he's a, he's young in his career, mm-hmm. you know. But this was his third year being here, and usually I'd like to see a, a jump from your third year guys. That's kind of where you make your really big jumps in defensive line. So I think he needs to evolve and get better. Uh, he, he needs to be, like I said, he he should be arguably the best player on that D line next year. And at times it shows, but it's, his inconsistencies are uh, 
a little too much. But yeah, Heinrich, Reimers. Got Nelson. Yeah. Nelson, you know, the the few times Blaze Gunnerson was out there, I liked what I saw from him at times. You know, and they'll be okay. I said they'll they'll refine. What they what they have coming back, what they did this year is you know, we obviously know that can that can win in the Big Ten. They just got to get help. They, they got to get help from the other two phases because mm-hmm. they were uh, they were thrown under the bus a lot this year and played really really well, holding teams to field goals after you know sh- uh, you know bad punts and 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 uh, interceptions and turnovers and you name it. So I'm not, I'm not too I'm not too afraid with with uh, what's coming back on that side of the ball. Jay Moore with us. Jay will get caught up again and uh, swing him. Uh, swing them uh, quite a bit this week with the weather. Yeah, no, that, that, will, that, will, that won't be a problem. Thanks, Smitty. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HaleVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time. So with Oklahoma, it'll be interesting to see if it comes down to Mark Stoops of Kentucky or... Venables, so Mike Stoops, the crazy, the, the crazy Stoops brother, got blown out at Arizona, and Bob had to me uh, bring Mike back, and he ran the defense and ran the defense into the ground, and they had to move Venables out to keep a spot for that blood thicker than water thing. Meanwhile, Venables goes from co-coordinator to the coordinator for Dabo. Making two and a half million a year. He's got a lake house. Uh, raids <laughs> the Kansas City metro area for the Isaiah Simmons of the world. Well, yeah, he didn't just go from co-coordinator to coordinator. He went from co-coordinator to coordinator to premier defensive coordinator in all the land. Right, and I'm going to set the new bar every three years for what you're paying a D coordinator. Mm-hmm. So that that's the question. So does And, and right now, if you're Bob Stoops... I hope Lincoln Riley called Bob and said, here's what I'm doing. Thank you for my opportunity. I don't know. But I, I hope it went down like that. And quite honestly, in private conversations, if, if Bob is bringing the Bud Light over, <laughs> Bob's shaking his head, brother, what the hell are you doing? That's who you go get and just lean on the, hey, you have a chance to coach your boy Drake. You go get Bob. I think I texted this to you yesterday. I know the connection isn't there, but I think Dan Mullen looking for a job. Uh, I really don't think that he isn't going to have interest from any power five schools this off season. And I think in a place like Oklahoma, that's got all the tradition. That's got all the money. He can find success. Dan Mullen thinks he deserves the Oklahoma job. There's your problem. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen was at Florida, got S canned and shouldn't have 
good. Two top ten finishes, two SEC East titles in three years, two SEC uh, high-powered offenses. Almost went 2-0 and against Bama. He's 0-2, but lost by five points, eight points combined. Yeah, I mean, it just unraveled. And then he just talks stupid after a game. He did did well. He'll find a quarterback every three years. I mean, Trask was good in gathering dust. And, of course, Dak was Dak. But, no, I think Mullen's pretty, pretty hard to deal with because I think he's offensive genius, beautiful mind, offensive guy. But I, I think what Oklahoma needs above all else right now is a, a guy that knows the SEC. Somebody I that can go down the kick, with I, you. I think the big concern for Oklahoma right now is you go have a Nebraska-esque transition to the SEC. And I know Derek tried to throw some water on that, but I think that's still a big concern. Well, what are you going to tolerate as a fan base? Right? It's not like you're going 4-8, and 5-7, and 6-6, six and six, or even 9-4, and four, Texas, and no one's ever satisfied. Stoops had some 8-4 and four years. And guess what? They survived and it worked. He's got a good 80. Or Lincoln had a really good 80. Probably the best. That said, the fan base, the boosters, you wonder. But you're seeing a whole uh, whole new potential patience, I think, kind of enter into college football after this year because of how wild this year is. Kaz tomorrow, Dean Blevins tomorrow, Mitch Sherman tomorrow. A Huda Media Production.